Welcome. You're about to listen to a teaching of the Foursquare Gospel Church, VGC District. At Foursquare, we believe in the transformation of communities through the multiplication of disciples, leaders, churches, and movements. May your hearts be blessed and transformed as you listen. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you this evening because you are a good God. Lord, indeed, we adore you because you are the risen Lord. Father, we give you every praise in the name of Jesus. We join all the angels in heaven to worship you and to acknowledge the fact that you are Lord. Tonight, as we come into your presence to celebrate your victory, Lord, we pray that you will grant us understanding in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray that the Holy Spirit would open the eyes of our understanding. And better than, Lord, we can see or teach tonight, the Spirit of God will help us to understand the truth that you are passing across to us. Thank you, Father, Lord. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Welcome to our Bible study today. For those of us who are on site, or those of us who are online, uh, today is our first day of trying to dig a little deep into the theme for the month. And our theme for the month is Jesus, the risen Savior. Jesus, the risen Savior. And uh, that is taken from Matthew chapter 28, verse 6. And a more detailed explanation is from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 2 to 4. I'd like us to open our Bibles together and just read the team text. And if it's possible for you to please put it on the screen. Matthew chapter 28, verse 6. Matthew 28, verse 6. And he says, he's not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Praise the Lord. Personally, when this uh, team text was given to us, what really caught my attention was not the fact that uh, the angel said, you know, He's not here. He has risen. But that last few words, he said, come and see the place where he lay. You know, it was something that is like proof for yourself. Look at it. I'm not just telling you that Christ has risen. Come in and see. And I look what up, what the what the a pastor said on Sunday, he said that stone was not rolled away because Jesus could not have disappeared from the tomb. Nothing could have stopped him from moving out of that tomb. You remember when he went to see his disciples when they were all in a room? He didn't have to use the door. He just came in. So he did not need anybody. He didn't need that somebody should come and roll off the door so that he can come out. No. 
that was opened so that we can see the proof that truly Christ is risen. You know, and that's what the angels told them, come and see. You know, so that it's it's a sure proof. We're not in doubt what has exactly happened. But today we want to be looking at a topic. This is the first part of the two key messages he gave us on Sunday. Resurrection, key to the Christian faith. Resurrection, key to the Christian faith. And uh, we'll be taking our text from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1 to 23. In fact, I would suggest to us that at our spare time, we should read the whole of that chapter. Because that chapter, Paul made a strong case for the resurrection. He made a strong case for the resurrection. Why it is so important to us. So I'd like us to take time, before we even go into the study tonight, to read that our text is first 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1 to 23. I'd like anyone who is a fast and good reader to please... Thank you, sis. First Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 to 23. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what we believed. Verse 12, But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is our faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. 
If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead came also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. 23. But each in turn, Christ the first fruit, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Hallelujah. Thank you very much. You see, like I said, this chapter actually is Paul's defense of the resurrection. He took time to explain the importance of the resurrection to, to the Christian. In fact, he went on to say, if there is no resurrection, then there's nothing like the Christian faith. There is nothing like the Christian faith. Uh, in the introduction, I say the resurrection of Christ is the central truth of the Christian faith. Apostle Paul, speaking to the church in Corinth, that is in 1 Corinthians 15, 17, explained that the Christian faith is useless without Christ's resurrection. And he says, if Christ has not, has not been risen, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. The resurrection is the climax of the gospel. The gospel says Christ died and he was raised from the dead. Without the resurrection, the Christian message is incomplete and salvation is not guaranteed. The full gospel is summarized as what? Christ came, he died, and rose again. That is the full gospel. So if we had stopped at the point at which Christ came and he died for our sins and he did not rise again, then we will begin to question what actually happened to him? And then he would then be like any other prophet. Because it won't be different. Many prophets have come. But this singular fact distinguished Christ from them all. Because it would now mean that when Christ was captured, he was beaten, he was hung on the cross, the world, or the Pharisees, or whatever, or they had victory over him. Because they will not be sure what exactly happened to him. We'll be wondering what happened to him. But the Bible tells us that that singular fact that Christ did not stay in the grave makes us as Christians very different from any other religion. And that's why sometimes when they see us as Christians, we sound arrogant to them. You know, when you tell people that Christ is the only way, it's like arrogance. How can you say that? Do you mean that all these other people? The singular thing is the resurrection. You know why? Many men have died for other men. Many men have died for the cause of the gospel. 
Many soldiers have gone to war. Many kings have gone and have died for their people. So, to die is good. But to resurrect is what assures the victory. That's the difference. That's just the difference. And that is why for us as Christians, it is key to the message of the gospel. It is what assures us that we have victory. It's just like a soldier that went to war and fought gallantly and did not return. It's difficult to celebrate that victory. It's very difficult. Because they come and tell you, ah, he fought gallantly. He did well. He tried for us. There can't be any victory. There can only be victory when he fought gallantly and he returned. And that's exactly what Christ did. Because he is a proof that I won a battle. He's a proof that I conquered death, sin, and the devil. So for us as Christians, the resurrection is key. And this evening, we want to look at some of those things. You know, why, some of the reasons why we say it is key to the Christian faith. The resurrection was central to the teaching and the preachings of the early apostles, and it is still the heart of the gospel today. Let's look at Acts chapter 4, verse 2. Acts chapter 4, verse 2. The Bible says, I'm reading from the New American Standard Version. It says, being greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Christ the resurrection of the dead. You know, that was something that bothered the Jews. See, let everything happen. But this man must not come back from the dead. And that's why they told his disciples, please, secure that grave because we don't want anything funny. We don't want anything funny. So when he actually resurrected and then the, the, the apostles were preaching that gospel, it was a challenge to the gate of hell. It's something the devil doesn't want to hear. He says, being greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Christ the resurrection. Let's look at Acts 17.31. Acts 17.21. I'd like us to put that on screen because there's something important in that verse. Acts 17.31. The Bible says, For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given him proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. That was the proof of God. That was the singular proof that this man has authority. This is the only man that has the authority to judge. This is, in fact, we'll go to another scripture where the Bible says, that is the only way he proclaimed that truly he is the son of God. So that is why at the heart of this message, the resurrection is key. Like I say, if Christ did not, did not you know, if 
stress is not reason. Maybe his teaching will just be um, maybe an ethical teaching. You know, we read so many of these people who write things, a good way to live. There are so many religions. It's just morals. They teach you the good way to live, how to behave, you know. That's what they do. His own teaching will just have, you know, you just classify it as one of those uh, moral and ethical teachings that teach you how to live. But one thing we don't, one thing we must realize is that is it is it is a good thing to teach men how to live, but it's a different thing to give men the power to know how to live. Many people know what to do, but they can't do it. The Bible says, as many as receive him, he gave power to become what children of God. He takes a resurrection power. To be able to put you in a position to live right. And that is what many of these religions have. They have it. But the power to make a man to live right, they do not give it. So what do you do? You struggle. You try and you fail. And when you fail, you get frustrated. And that's why some people talk about uh, you live this life halfway and then reincarnate again so that you can live better in the next life. You understand? Because there is no power to live right. There is no justification. It's only the resurrection that can guarantee that. And that is why in the Christian gospel is key. And that's why Paul says, if there's no resurrection, our faith is what? Useless. It, it will just be like all the other ones that we are used to. Useless. You see, the one that the Bible says gives a form of godliness but denies what? The power thereof. Because there is no power. The Bible says that same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is able to do what? Quicken. There is a power that comes from it. So that is why the resurrection is key to the Christian gospel. We cannot be Christians if Christ did not rise from the dead. Praise the Lord. So we are going to look at some of the key why the resurrection is key to the Christian faith. The first one I put here is justification. It is the resurrection that gives us as Christians justification. Let's look at Romans chapter 4 verse 25. Justification. Romans 4 25. Bible says he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life. For what reason? And you know, what is justification? If somebody justifies you, what would you say is justification? As though, you, yes, sir. As though you never sinned. Yes, sir. Sister, makes you right makes you right. You see, this is something that people outside Christianity cannot understand. I'd like us to take a Bible verse. When we look at it with this, with this Bible verse, we will understand why this is like a mystery. Let's look at um, Hebrews chapter 10. Verses 12 to 14. 
Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12 to 14. The, the scripture here is talking about Christ. It says, when the high priest had offered, when these priests, which is Christ, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sin, he sat down at the right hand of God. That's 12, 13. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. 14. Because by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. You understand the justification? By that singular act, God has made you perfect. That's the justification. Because perfection is that God has made you right. For when? For one time. For what? Forever. Forever. But then look at the second part of it. He said, forever, and then what? Those who are being made holy. Do you get it? That resurrection put you in a state of justification and perfection before God. And as you are walking here on earth, the word of God is working on you to make you what? Holy. So it's not these things that you are doing that justified you. No. That sacrifice has done that. That is why if not, you shouldn't even have an access to God. Because God will not look at you if you have iniquity. Is it not? But that gives you your access. But as you are walking, the Bible says, for those who are being made holy. And as we are going on, He's working in our lives, and we have, you know, you know the way this, this, this. Yesterday, actually, when I was looking at this, the Lord brought a picture to me. He said, "It's like when you go to these estate um, uh, developers. Hmm? When you get there, they either give you two things: either they show you a prototype of the house." Or they actually build it. So you see it. And they say, this is what we are going to be building. So you can make a deposit. So you, you see the finished product. You, you, it's, it's like a guarantee, Abby. And then they start to build your own. And I, you know, God says, that's how you are. As far as God has seen you, he has seen the finished product. For him, what he sees, that prototype, complete. But as you are here... He will be building you. Because at the end of the day, you are going to look exactly like what he's seen. That is justification. And it's only the resurrection that does that. That brings us to that state of justification. Because without that confidence, it will be difficult to live the Christian life. Because there will be frustration. You will do things and you tell yourself, oh, no, I don't think I can make it. You will just be like the way people who are not Christians struggle. It's very different. Because if you have a prototype or you have one that you have already built, in the process of building, if there is anything that does not look like it, what do you do? You know what it should look like, so you make it look like it. And it's exactly going to be like that. So the first thing resurrection does for us is justification. It gives us right standing. It makes us stay in a position where we are right before God.
The next thing it does for us, the resurrection assures us that death has been defeated. Because if Christ did not rise from the dead, we will say, ah, maybe, so death will also have power over all of us. That means when we die, that's the end of the story. That means that death was able to take care. But the Bible tells us in Romans 6, verse 9, it says, For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. Romans 6, 9. He had conquered the power of death. You know, somebody was making a joke. He said uh, that he read somewhere uh, in, uh, in one of these articles that are flying around that anybody that takes the COVID vaccine will die. That all of them will eventually just die. So, so I now told the person, I said, okay, but you, you are a Christian now. Do Christians, do they fear death? Is that a problem for Christians? I said, so it doesn't matter now. If, he, if, if the vaccine is what will kill us, at least... The difference between us and unbelievers is that we know that when we die, we'll go to meet Christ. And I said, those who didn't see not take it, and they are not Christians, when they see that, what will happen? You know? So, it, it, it is that assurance that, you know, death is not a... It, it, Jesus has conquered death by rising from the dead. The Bible says he has died and he cannot die again. And that's why he can say to Mary, he says, I am the resurrection and what? And the life. That is who I am. I have conquered death. You know? So, and we also see in First Corinthians chapter 15, where uh, from 55 to 57, where, he was, where Paul was saying, in the same chapter we started reading, that's why I say, maybe we should read the whole chapter when we get home, when he was saying, oh, death, where is, that, where is your, your victory? You know? Just telling us that the power of death and sin is broken. The power of death and sin is broken. That's what the resurrection has done. Why is that important? The Bible says death is the punishment for sin. Is it not? It says the soul that sinned will do what? Die. So, by Jesus' resurrection, he showed that he broke that power of sin that finds in strength in putting men to death. That's what he did. So he conquered death. He conquered death. Another reason why the resurrection is key to the Christian faith is because it proves that our faith is genuine. It proves that our faith is genuine. Because Paul says, if Christ has not risen from the dead, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. That is, your sins are not forgiven. Your sins cannot be forgiven. Because if you still bear the punishment of sin, which is death, because it's the resurrection that breaks the power of death. 
Then if that did not happen, it means there's nothing like the Christian faith. It's not genuine. It's just could could be, you know, any well, like our people say for one night. Doesn't mean anything. The Bible tells us that that's what it proves. Because why? The resurrection gives us an assurance of forgiveness. He gives us an assurance of eternal life. And it also gives us the assurance that we can be right with God. That's what makes it genuine. That's what makes it genuine. That's what makes it genuine. Another important reason why the resurrection is key to the Christian faith, that's the only thing that proves that Jesus is the Son of God. You know, when you talk about the fact that Jesus is the Son of God, it's very offensive to many religions. It is. Why would you say Jesus is the Son of God? Or why would you even say that Jesus is God? What would you say is, you know, immortal? But let, let's, let's, let's look at this scripture. Romans 1, chapter 4. I'd like you to put it on screen so that we look at that scripture very well. Romans chapter 1, verse 4. Romans chapter 1. The Bible says, And who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the son of God by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord. The Bible says that singular act is what God used to prove that what? He's the son of God. All other people were called prophets of God, this, but that singular act was the one he used to prove that he was the son of God. Let's look at Matthew 16, 1 to 4. Matthew 16, 1 to 4. Because Jesus claimed that he was the son of God. And he actually predicted, he said, I am going to do this. Matthew 16, 1 to 4. Look at what happened here. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they met him. And they asked him, they wanted to test him. The Pharisees and the Sadducees came to Jesus and tested him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. Show us something, prove to us your claim to be who you are. Look at his reply to them. He replied, when evening comes, you say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. In the morning... Today it will be stormy, for the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation looks for a miraculous sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. Jesus left them and went away. What was the sign of Jonah? What was the sign of Jonah? 
It was three days in the belly of fish. He said, you, 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 you know how to do everything, but you are seeing me and I don't understand. So he was telling them, this is the sign I'm going to give you. This is the sign that heaven will give to you to validate who I am. I will die and I will rise the third day. Like Jonah was in the belly of the fish. Let's also look at Luke chapter 24, verse 1 to 8. Luke chapter 24, verse 1 to 8. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. What did he tell them? That the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of the sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day he will rise again or is raised again. Jesus told them this is exactly what's going to happen. And that's exactly what happened. When they got to the tomb, they didn't find him. And they were wondering, why are you looking for him here? We didn't expect you to come looking for him here. Didn't he tell you that he won't be here? You know, but the people needed to go there to see for themselves. You know? So, it is the proof that Jesus is the Son of God. And it's also a proof of his own character. Eh? The Bible says, by their fruit we will do what? We will know them. There are many prophets who told us many things. So, eh? uh-huh. Just told us that he will not die. He died. Too. You know? Many things people say. This prophet will not die. He will fly. He will do. Nothing happened. But Jesus said, I'm going to do this. And that's exactly what happens. What does that to us? In the, why is it key to our Christian faith? Because we are going to put our trust and our life into the hands of this man. And if he's not trustworthy, then there's a problem. There are so many promises he made. There's one of them I'd like us to look at. John 14, 1 to 4. Because if Jesus, if there is no resurrection, then that promise is empty. John 14, 1 to 4. He said to us, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in who? In me. In my father's house are many rooms. It were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. 
So if he had just died and we didn't hear about him again, and he now told you that I'm going somewhere to pray, when I get there, I'll come for you, it would be hard to believe. He said, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. It was a matter of integrity. It was, it, it, it was a proof of his character. And that's the reason as Christians we can trust him. In the same, in the same uh, chapter 14, maybe we should look at verse 18 and 19. I'm just trying to pick a few verses. Look at what he says. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. He said, before long, the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me because I do what? And you also will leave. These were promises he made while he was still with his disciples before he had died. Can you imagine Christ did not, get, did not rise from the dead? What would we have done with all those promises? He said, because I live. You too will do what? You will live. So that's why the resurrection is so key to our Christian faith. I just want to pick one other verse that probably... Maybe we should also look at um, Mark chapter 8, verse 31. Then we can read the rest at our own spare time. Mark 8, 31. Bible says, He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests and the teachers of the law. He must be killed and after three days, rise again. These are the things he was telling them while he was alive. So you, you, can, you, can, you can imagine why the angels were asking them, why are you here? Did the man not tell you that he's going to rise from the dead? Maybe like we are too. We read so many things in the scripture. We know them. But they're just head knowledge. They're not things we truly believe or we want to put into practice. Or they are not things we are really hoping to see. Are there things like that? That we read. That the Bible talks about. One that easily comes to my mind. The scripture says that sin will not have dominion over you. You are not obliged to live under sin. It's not compulsory that you hand over yourself. These are things the Bible tells us. But sometimes, mm, no, it's not possible. It's not possible. So we read those ones, we, we just we put that one aside. That one is for later. You know, there are so many things we read about. that God, you know, so maybe when Christ, you know, and this telling him that he, they will die, he will rise again. He's in so many parts of scripture while he was carrying disciples with them, kept on telling them. But for them, it was something that they didn't take. They heard it, 
but uh, well, until then, when we see it. So the resurrection proves that Christ is the Son of God. The resurrection also is the one that gives us a living hope. First Peter 1, 3 to 4. First Peter 1, 3 to 4. It says, Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for us. The Bible says he gave us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Christ. That resurrection brought us into a new hope. And when I, when, I, when I looked at that verse, what just came to my mind is that scripture that Jesus said to Mary in 1 John, in John 11.25, when her brother died. John 11:25 when her brother died You know he said oh Jesus if you had been here my brother would not have died Jesus said to her what I am what I am the resurrection and I'm what the life He who believes in me will live even though he does what he dies. It's a living hope. So we're not people who are, I don't want to use the word hopeless, but we're not people who don't have hope. No matter what happens, we are alive. We are alive. Because hope is alive in us. No matter what circumstance, we are alive. That is guaranteed by the resurrection. We are alive. The Bible says, even though he were dead, yet he shall live. We are always alive. The Christian is always alive. Even when we die physically, we are alive. Are we not? We are always alive. He gives us a living hope. The Bible tells us that he gave us a new birth into a living hope. He translated us and put us in a situation where we are always alive. We are always alive. This, the sixth reason is because the resurrection also assures us of our own resurrection. That's what the Bible tells us. Because Christ is risen, we too will be what? We will rise again one day. Let's look at this. First Corinthians chapter... No, let's look at First Thessalonians. That's a better one. First Thessalonians chapter 4, 13 to 18. 
1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 13 to 18. It says, Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We'll believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. What's the reason? Because of his resurrection. Jesus will also bring as many as fall asleep in him. Then he said, according to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left still, the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who are fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet with the Lord in the air, and and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. That is the guarantee that we too, one day, so whether we are alive or we are dead, as long as we are in Christ, and as long as Christ is risen, we too will be risen. We will rise up with him. That's what the Bible tells us. So that's one thing. Um, seven, I say, the resurrection assures us that our service in the Lord is not in vain. That's why it's key. You know, for, uh, for the person who is not a Christian, you know why it's key to our faith? The Bible says, all their righteousness is like what? Feel the rags. No matter what they do, it does not please God. It's like feel the rags. But to us who are saved, when we begin to walk, because the Bible says we are saved unto good works, it is not the good works that saved us who but we are saved to do good works. And when we begin to do those good works, let's see what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Why is key to our faith? It said, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. If you read that First Corinthians chapter 15, what preceded is, it was talking about resurrection. Telling us that because Christ is risen, everything that we do in the kingdom is not in vain. Every single thing will be rewarded. Ours will not be like those of those people who don't know Christ, those who are not Christians, whose works does not qualify, does not mean anything to God. 
It will look as if, oh, it's unfair. So all these things that they are doing. The Bible tells us in John chapter 3. Maybe we should go and read it. John, John 3. Eighteen to nineteen. John chapter three, verse eighteen to nineteen. The Bible says, Whosoever believes in him is not condemned. But whosoever does not believe stand condemned already. What is the why is he condemned? Because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. That is the reason for condemnation, nothing more. Let's read 19. This is the verdict. You see, when you go to court, they say, oh, this is the verdict, Sabi. This is my judgment. That light has come to the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds are evil. Jesus is the light, and that's the verdict. So when we stand before God, the verdict is not, what did you do? The first question is, do you have Christ? Because there are only two judgments now. The judgment for the unbeliever, you don't have Christ, you go to hell. The reward for the believer, okay, you have Christ. Are we taking crowns? Are you taking this for doing the works that you have done? But that you don't even have Christ, there's nothing you want to present to God that is acceptable. Because the verdict is, I sent my son, you rejected him. So that is why every work that you do outside Christ does not count. Another reason why the resurrection is key to the Christian faith is because that is what makes Christ fit to be the judge of all. The Bible says he has left the judgment to the Son. Let's look at Acts 17. Acts 17, 30 to 31. Acts 17, 30. The Bible says, In the past, God overlooked such ignorance. But now, he commands all people everywhere to repent. Let's go on, 31. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice. By who? By the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to all men by raising him from what? From the dead. So that's the proof that this man will be the judge of all things. That's why it's key to the Christian faith that we preach resurrection. 
because he's the one that marks out Christ as the judge. So can you imagine the man that you rejected and said to yourself you will not receive is now going to be your judge? You can't stand. There's, there's no way. The verdict is there. You're guilty. You're guilty. So that's why when we preach the gospel, we cannot be timid about it. That is the truth. That is the truth. Jesus is the Son of God because He is the risen Lord. That sets Him different. That is the why the only thing is be a Christian. There is no alternative. There is no second way. You can't try anything else. And then lastly, because I would like us to take you know, some questions. Lastly, we talk about the resurrection power. The resurrection power. This is what sets Christianity apart from many other things. The resurrection power. Let's read Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19 to 21. Ephesians 1, 19 to 21. The Bible describing the resurrection power says, and in his, in his incomparably great power, for us who believe that power is like the walking is is like the walking of his mighty strength yes go on which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority power and dominion and every title that can be given not only in the present age but also in the one to come. The Bible tells us about the resurrection power. The Bible says it is a power exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. The way I look at it, God did something. Because the Bible tells us that, you know, when Christ died, he descended into hell. He had to take the keys of death. He had to set free those who were in captivity. I'm thinking, I'm not sure, maybe that's why graves were opening and people were walking out. Maybe that's why. Maybe they had been chained there. So they, they began to have their freedom. God had to exert power. And that's why when we also become Christians, the scripture says he gave power. Because he takes power to live the Christian life. He takes power to live the Christian life. You know, some people say, oh, power must change hands. 
Power has already changed hands the day you give your life to Christ. So power is not changing, just changing hands. Because without that power, there's no way you can live as a Christian. And that is why you can say no to sin, you can say no to the flesh, you can say no to the devil. Because without that power, you can't do that. Why were you not doing that before when you were not a Christian? There is a resurrection power. And that is key to the Christian faith. Because we can now tell people it is possible to be free. It is possible to live above sin. God gives power. And that comes from the resurrection. Because the devil thought he was holding the power. Is it not? Because he uses that power to hold men in captivity. But when Jesus rose from the dead, he took that power. And when you become a Christian, the Bible says he gave power to become what? He gives you that power. So it is key to the Christian faith. Let's look at Romans 8.11. Romans 8.11. to put that on the screen so that we can follow that uh, scripture you know he says and if look at what the scripture says, says and if the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead is living in you he who raised Christ from the dead we also do what give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. That's the power of the resurrection. That's the power of the resurrection. That's why it's key to the Christian faith. Because if we come and there is no power to live right, then there is a problem. If we are still going to struggle as we used to do as unbelievers, there's a problem. But that resurrection power gives us that grace that we can live. And that is why it is key to the Christian faith. We cannot do without it. Without the resurrection, Christ's teachings would only be ethical guidelines for mankind. And he will just be like one of those great teachers that lived the resurrection is unique to the Christian faith. It is fundamental and crucial to the identity and the ministry of Christ. His resurrection confirmed his identity as the Son of God and his power to save from sin and impute righteousness on all who put their trust in him. Christ died. He was buried. He rose from the dead. Death could not hold him captive. He arose and he lives forever. Amen. I just want us to pause here. Maybe take some few questions. Maybe on site or and then online. 
or maybe some contributions you want to you know or some personal exper- experiences of why you think the resurrection is key to the Christian faith anybody online if we don't have any questions I just like us to pray we have said so many things today I just want us to talk to God for me my greatest challenge as I prepared this study was the fact that the Bible says that that resurrection is the one that brought me justification that 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 one single death has made me perfect before God and that as I live my life here God is making me holy for me that was one truth that just came alive to to me I don't know what has come alive to you tonight just pray about it it could be that you have power by that resurrection to live above sin maybe you thought it was not possible or it could be that oh so these promises that God has made to me are sure or is it that it strengthens your faith to evangelize to tell people that Jesus is the only one that can save whatever it is tonight I want you to pray and ask the Lord to speak to your heart Father, we thank you tonight. Thank you for speaking to our heart. Thank you for what you have done. Thank you for what you are doing. And thank you for what you were yet to. Blessed be your name. Thank you, Lord. Father, once again, we just commit our lives into your hands and we continue to ask that this power of the risen Lord will continually be at work in our lives until we come to the full stature of the image of Christ. Thank you, Father. Blessed be your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.